Well, good morning. How do you follow that? How do you follow that? Well, it's lovely to be here this morning to share a short Christmas message with you. I can't add much more than what the children have already shared and what we've already been singing about in our early songs. But what we'll try and do is unpack it a little bit more. And my plan for the morning, for the next few minutes or so, is we'll sing some songs. Some verses from the Bible will come up. I think we'll try and read them together. And then I'll unpack that a little bit and we'll see where we go. Now, I was meant to be here a year ago. But a combination of COVID and other illnesses meant that I couldn't come. So I'm a year late. So forgive me for that, but I'm glad I've made it. But I'm going to sort of rehash what I was going to do a year ago somehow. And I'm going to need some helpers to come up and give me a hand to share some things. So will you come up to start off with? Because what I have here, and if you stand in the front of the platform there for me, and hold that up to see how many people can see what's on there. So we've got lots of different people. And we've got lots of nationalities there we've got a, an American Indian we've got a cowboy we've got some South Americans there as well but they've all got something in common let's have another helper oh let's oh would you like to come up die down super can I sit over here oh I love your jumper so we've got that there and here we've got some we've got some Korean people some Chinese people, some Japanese people, and all of these people have got something in common as well. Let's have another helper. Who's going to come up and help me now? Up you come, Diochenvaur. Because I've got another picture here, and again, these people, these are from Africa. And Africa is such a huge place, lots of different people, but Everybody here has got something in common. Every one of them. Let's have another helper. Oh, where are we going to go? Oh, let's have a look. Do you want to come up? Come on then. There we go. And will you hold that for me? And oh, these are very funny ones. Because we've got some people from New Zealand, Maori people. We've got some Aborigines from Australia. Some Native Americans, in my, when I was younger, we used to call them Eskimos. And we've got some more Aborigines there. And all these people have something in common. And let's have one more helper. Ooh, up you come, Diogenvaur. Because I've got here the odd one out. My penguin. My penguin. My penguin is... The odd one. Everybody else has got something in common. Now, would you like to sit down? Sit on the step for me. Down. They've all got something in common, but the penguin hasn't got something in common. And around this time last year, there's a milestone that was hit. And it was the eight billionth person to be born. Eight billion people on the planet and all these different countries and nations said well they might be on our might be on our country except the penguin because there's nobody living in 
Antarctica. But that baby has something in common with everybody here. And what I want to explore is, how come we've forgotten about that baby? But today we're here to remember a birth of another baby. Not last year, over 2,000 years ago. And sit down. There we go. So here we have our first verse. And this answers the question, what are all these people and us got in common? So let's read this verse together. After three, one, two, three. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created everyone here and all these pictures and the 8 billion plus people and everyone who's lived before in his image. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, it can't be what we look like because of all our pictures here, they, all those people look different. I'm looking out here now and there's lots of different looking people. We've got youngsters, we've got older people, we've got slim people, we've got me. So we've got... We've got lots of different. So it can't be just what you look like. Being in God's image is different. It's more than that. And there are lots of things that humans and mankind do which point to us being different, created in God's image. When we sing songs, when we play music, when we paint pictures, when we create things, that's something animals don't do. We do it because we're in God's image. But there are more important things about being in God's image as well. We know about eternity. Being created in God's image, the Bible says he breathed his breath into us to create life. So we know that there's more beyond our lives now. A lot more. Animals don't know that. On top of that, then, there's, we know the difference between right and wrong. That there is a right and wrong. God knows there's a right and wrong. He's righteous. A right and a wrong. And sometimes we might pretend we don't know or claim, oh, that's not quite as bad. But there is a right and a wrong. The other thing to be in God's image, we're, we live in families. We love one another. We have relationships. Families, friends, work, communities. And the God of the Bible, he's a God of relationships and love as well. The Bible describes him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Living forever, in eternity. Loving one another perfectly. And to be created in his image. To be invited into that perfect, loving relationship. And the other thing we recognize is that we worship. We worship. Now, some people here might say, well, I don't worship. But we all worship. We all know there's something beyond us which will give us, we hope, 
a meaning and a reality. And if you're not sure what you worship, think, well, have a look at your bank account. See where you spend your money. Have a look at your diary. See where you spend your time. We all, all worship. And being created in God's image and having all these blessings, not perfectly, is really precious. It means that we are really precious. It means that when Christians think about one another and the world, we start right at the beginning. And then we think of people when they're born, children, they grow up, they get old, and they're all, all, all created in God's image and are precious. Everyone precious and loved in God's sight. I wish I could stop there. I wish I could stop there. But I mentioned we haven't done so perfectly. So we're moving on now to our second verse from the Bible. Our first verse shared how we're all created in God's image and are precious. But if we look outside the window at our world, if we look in our communities, if we look in our families, if we look in our own hearts, it's not quite that perfect, is it? But the Bible's honest. And we'll read this together, Romans 3:23, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." So we've fallen short of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? We could spend weeks on that and still only scratch the surface. But the glory of our God is different to us. He's holy. He's perfect. He's worthy of our worship. He's moral. He never gets anything wrong. He can't stand lies. He always speaks the truth. This is God. And he loves us. And this is his glory. And he wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship now. He wants a relationship in eternity that we're made for. But we've fallen short of the glory of God. And we've already touched on it in the children's nativity and some of the songs we sing. It started back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, where they wanted to be like God, where they took in the devil's lies, where they broke God's rules, and they sinned. And God, being perfect, being holy, being true, being light, being love, he can't ignore that. So they were cast of the Garden of Eden. But God, being love, made a promise. A promise that he would make a way to restore that relationship. And you might be thinking here this morning, well, that's a long, long time ago. It's nothing to do with me. But the Bible is nothing if not honest. And we're looking at the joy of Christmas, but we're honest. And to know joy, we've got to realize that there is an opposite. And what we do, all of us, we're all born, and we all look tiny, tiny, sweet and cute, even me. But as we grow up, what we do is 
we think things which are against God's will. We might be greedy. We might want something that doesn't belong to us. And that saddens God. It angers God. The Bible calls it sin. And nobody teaches us to do it. It's there. It's in the two-year-old who's told you can't have that last piece of cake. And they want it. Nobody tells them. And they'll take it if they can. So as we grow, we think things which anger God. He still loves us, though. But if it doesn't stop at thinking. Because as we grow, sooner or later, the Bible says, I'm going to fall on that step sooner or later. The Bible says that we will start saying things which sadden or anger God. Swear words, blasphemy, lies, all of which are against God's perfect plan. It's called sin. It angers God. But he still loves us. But, where's my helpers? You going to hold that for me? Da yow. Hold it nice and tight. Two hands. <laughs> we start doing things which sadden God. We might harm people physically. Or we might even just not help people. Saddens God. It's not part of his perfect will. Grieves him. Angers him. But he still loves us. And if you're thinking, well, I've never thought or said or done anything that angers God. Do you remember? We're all worshippers. And the Bible says we're to worship God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. But all too often, we put things before God. Good things which God gives us. Whether that's family or education or entertainment or employment. We start loving them more than God. And that saddens him. He still loves us. But God, as well as being loving, just. And there's going to be a time when God will judge us. Whether that's when we pass away or whether it's when Jesus returns. And the perfect God's judgment on all sin is the same. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God takes sin that seriously. Now, whereas I would have liked to have stopped at the end of the first section, I'm definitely going to stop at the end of the second section because this is where the real joy comes. When we understand what's happening Christmas, when we understand where it fits in, and we understand how it affects us all. So we began by looking at what we've all got in common. We're created in God's image, and we're precious. Then we looked at the world in which we live, which we're part of, and recognized that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned against the holy God. 
But now we have our last verse. And we'll read this together. John 3.16, very well known. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal light. God loves us. When he creates us, he loves us. When we sin, he loves us. Breaks his heart. And he's had a plan from eternity. Not a plan B, a determined plan to provide a rescuer. Bible calls him sometimes a redeemer, somebody who pays the price, pays a ransom for all the sins of the world. And this is why Christmas is precious to Christians. God, as he promised, reveals his rescuer, reveals his redeemer. And Jesus, as we've learnt, born of Mary, is fully man. He's God's son, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And as he grows up, he never thinks anything which is contrary to God's plan. Nothing. His mind, his his heart is set on God. He doesn't sin. He's righteous. God loves him. As he grows, he never says anything contrary to God's plan and God's will. His words are generous. They're kind, sometimes firm when he's dealing with people who have sinned. But he's pointing people to God. He's teaching people about God. He never speaks anything wrong. He's righteous. And God loves him. Let's get the right order. (laughs) Because, as he grows, he never thinks or says anything wrong. But he never does anything wrong either. He's perfect. He's sinless. As he grows, he heals people. He makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the lame to walk. Casts out demons. He brings the dead to life. I'm reminded of his friend Lazarus. Dead in a tomb for three days. Jesus returns. Speaks with Lazarus' sisters. This is part of God's plan. To show that he has power over all these things. They remove the stone. He shouts, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. Jesus never does anything outside his father's plan. He's sinless. He's righteous. God loves him. And this is so important. He loves God more than anything else. Yes, he loves his family, his mother, his father, his brothers, his sisters, his community, his disciples, his followers. He loves them. 
but he loves them in the context of who God is. He loves God perfectly. And he's sinless, he's righteous, and God loves him. God loves him. Loves him to the point that even on the cross, his plan is to save the unrighteous people that we are through the sacrifice of his righteous son. And as Jesus went to that cross Easter time, and we can't separate Christmas from Easter, it's so, so tempting to stop at the manger. But we have to look to Easter. Jesus' death on the cross. And even on the cross, he prayed forgiveness for those who were killing him. He looked after his mother. He saved a thief who repented. He cried, Father, why have you forsaken me? This is the only man who's lived, who's had that perfect communion with God, that relationship we all should have. And this is the only time in all of eternity that he, in his human nature, will be separated from God. Never again. But God takes Jesus. Jesus becomes sin. Not a sinner. He becomes sin. And what happens is the punishment for sin that we all deserve rains down on Jesus. And before he dies, he cries, it's finished. Not his life. His work. He's made a way to restore humankind to himself. And remember, God is just, he's righteous. Wages of sin is death, but Jesus is not a sinner. He's taken the punishment. Three days later, in the power of the Spirit, God raises him from the dead to prove that his sacrifice is sufficient. And more than that, He's ascended into heaven. He's ruling today. And the offer we have here in John 3.16 to access this rescue, to access this redemption is to believe in Jesus. People have said he didn't really die. I work in schools. I ask the question, when we look at the crucifixion. Did he really die? And they all say, yes, no. Because he's back. He's ruling. Pilate said he's dead. Soldiers said he's dead. Nicodemus said he's dead. He buried him. His mother says he's dead. His disciples say he's dead. Pharisees say he's dead. God says he's dead. And yet, the sinless man can't stay dead. He is risen. He is ruling even today. 
So I'd encourage you, friends, this morning, as we celebrate Christmas together, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Son of God, fully man, fully God, leading a perfect life, get beyond the manger. Celebrate the manger. Rejoice in the manger. But remember his life. Remember his death. Remember what he has done to save. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now and into eternity. That's what Christmas is all about.